0: With your Bible open at Luke chapter 17, we want to talk today on how to increase faith. Faith, I'm sure you'll agree, is a very important topic. It's a very important topic in the entire Bible, and it's spoken of something like 360 times in the Bible. In Luke chapter 17, the Lord Jesus warns against offenses and, I think, a temptation to sin. And in verse 5, the disciples ask him this simple question. And I'd like to suggest you underline these three words or four words. Lord, increase our faith. That is a wonderful prayer. So in verse 6, the Lord tells how even a tiny bit of faith is able to do miraculous things. And he talks here about the, uh, the sycamine tree. And if you had faith as the size of a grain of mustard seed, which is a tiny, tiny little seed, you might say under this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And it should obey you. Now there are some Christians that have tried it and they've stood in front of the tree and they've held their Bible up and they've commanded the tree to uproot and go jump in the lake and nothing happened. And so they've concluded It doesn't work. And I'd like to suggest to you, they have misapplied what Jesus is saying. Because the literal truth is actually right there in front of us. If it were God's will for that tree to jump in the lake, and all you had was the tiniest bit of faith, you too could stand in front of that tree and say, okay, come on, get going up it should get and go and dive into the sea or something. Some people, when you talk about faith, they have the idea that faith is something emotional. That's how they understand faith. They feel that it's something like a feeling, an emotional feeling, or maybe like a warm glow. There are some people, many people, in fact, who, who think that when they have faith, when they feel they have faith, they have this warm glow inside them. And they say that must be faith. And so if they feel they have the glow, then they think they have faith. No glow, no faith. Glow, faith, no glow. You get the idea. There are other people that have the idea about faith as being kind of a groping in the dark. You don't quite know what's out there. So getting back to the idea of faith, you've got some misconceptions one feel that it's very uh, emotional. The other thinks that it's, it's, it's some kind of blind groping in the dark. Now, I will tell you this, that those two notions, those two concepts do have the tiniest bit of truth in them. Maybe half a percent, maybe even as much as 1%. But for the greater part, they're false. It's a false understanding of what faith is. And so we need to discard both those ideas today. We're going to look and see what the Bible has to say. And I'm going to show you something that if you're here today and you love the Lord and you're wanting to live your life for the Lord, I'm going to show you something today. That's going to make you jump out of your seat. And it all has to do with faith. First, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to help us. Now, our father, we freely admit before you that we all could use an increase in faith I know I sure can every day. Some days, father, I'm, I'm actually ashamed of how little faith I have father. I know it happens where we think you might do something. And we say, nah, that could never happen. Then you do it. And then we feel bad because we didn't trust you. Lord, we ask that you would help us fix that problem today. We ask that you would increase our faith and we know you can do it. This is a good prayer and we know you can answer it. And Lord, we're going to look to you now and to the answers found in the word. Please, Lord, help us to be strong in faith for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go through the Bible, you'll find a a host of men and women who did wonderful things for God. And every single time you'll find they did it by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 enumerates a whole big hall of fame of these men and women, normal people like us here today. Only they did something great for God and they did it by faith. Truth is, if you try and do something great and you do it in the strength of the flesh, where you don't use faith, what you're going to end up with is wood, hay and stubble. And that stuff will not be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand before Jesus and he looks for what he can reward in your life, all those things that you did, even though it may be glorious looking wood, wonderful looking hay and amazing stubble. It's all going to burn up at the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, we're not talking God determining whether you're going to get into heaven or not. No, no, that's determined whether you receive Jesus Christ as savior or not. And if you are a nicest person in the world, but you just bypass Jesus, you're not going to make it. You can even have some nice wood, hay and stubble. It's all going to burn, get burned. It's good for nothing. When Christians involve themselves with good things, only they try and do it in the strength of the flesh. They produce wood, hay and stubble. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. There are churches that men and women try to start and they're trying to do it according to what they can see, what they think, what they hear, what they feel. They're trying to use world's ways We've got a guy down in the States and he put out a book to the effect of 40 days to a new church. And this guy, basically he followed the teachings of a a worldly businessman by the name of Peter Drucker, who was a good businessman and helped many businesses to improve their business. But the church is not like a worldly business. It's a living organism. When Jesus Christ builds it, it's a church. And we want to get Christ more involved in our church. If we want to be able to do his will, he's commissioned us to do his will. And so we need his strength, his power. That's why we can't do it on the strength of the flesh. Well, some people say, well, the word faith, it just simply means trust. Now there's a lot of truth to that. The word trust means confidence in something or someone. That's the idea of trust. But why do we have the word faith? If faith just means trust, if that's all it means, then why don't we have just the word trust in the Bible? You know, why do we have, you know, faith for by grace, are ye saved through trust? It doesn't say that, does it? Does it? The just shall live by trust. Is that what the Bible says? No. What does it say? The just shall live by what? Faith. Faith. And for by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. Trust is a good word, and it makes up maybe well more than half of the idea of faith, but faith is actually something else. It takes trust under its arm, but it encompasses something more than just trust. As I say, trust is a great word. Trust is found in all walks of life, you find it in marriage. You find it in business. You find it between friends. You find it between countries and nations. Trust means to have confidence in someone or something. The chair or the pew you're sitting in right now. Do you trust it? Do you have confidence that it'll support your weight? Or do you think it could crash any second? If you thought it would crash, you would probably stand up but you trust it. You have confidence in it. And so you commit your weight to it. Some of us wish we didn't have to commit so much weight to the chairs we sit in, but that's the way it is. Now, trust can is a good word, but it can be a work of men, not necessarily God. Trust can be, for example, in business, the business wants you to trust in their services, trust in their goods. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we get into fraudulent uh, dealers, fraudulent men like Benny Hinn and Peter Popoff and men and women like that will fraudulently try and get you to believe that if you have enough faith, you can be healed. And so of course they take the offering. And then when you're not healed, they simply tell you it's because you don't have enough faith. Come back and try again later. And you try to lay that example over the new Testament And see what Jesus did. Jesus raised the dead. How much faith did that dead man have? Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, the ears of the deaf. He, he cured all kinds of diseases and cast out demons. And these people didn't necessarily have any faith. One man was brought to him on a bed and four men brought the man to Jesus. They had to go up on the roof and let him down. Do You remember that story? Yeah. And the Bible says very clearly when Jesus saw their faith, it was the four men more than it was the guy laying in the bed. So trust is a good word. You know, the devil can use trust too. He can try and get a Christian to trust in something else other than God. And it's a trick that the devil uses. I think on all of us on me too, tries to get me to trust in something other than God. Now that is a trick of the devil, but he uses trust. Now the second word is faith. I believe it's a very precious word. It's a good Bible word. And it refers to listen to very carefully, a heavenly trust, a heavenly trust that God gives us. Faith has trust in it, but it's more than that. It's a gift of God. We just read that earlier today in Ephesians. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that it's a reference back to the faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's given to us at the right time. And that's how we get saved. God is able to do that. And I'm going to prove that to you with a couple of uh, earthly examples that God uses. Now, um, God gives us faith. Why does he give us faith? He gives us faith to enable us To do, to have confidence in what he says so that we'll do it. That's why he gives us faith. He gives us faith to be able to do the right thing. Faith to be able to follow his will. Faith to be able to share the gospel. Faith to be able to give uh, sacrificially. Faith to be able to pray. Faith to come to church. Faith in all walks of life. The just shall live by faith. God is the one who gives that to us. Trust is something that you can build up yourself, but not faith, not faith. You have to ask God for it. You have to ask God to give you the faith to be able to do something great for him. Please do not leave planet earth until you've done something great for God. And most of us can do many great things for God before he takes us to heaven. Now, the Bible teaches us, as I said, number one, three things about faith. Number one, it's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So that's where we get it from. Number two, the Bible tells us that faith comes by reading the Bible. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to have faith to do what God wants you to do and to serve God You need to get it from him. And the key here is going to be the Bible. As you read the Bible, it's going to open your eyes. As you read the Bible, it's going to get inside you in your bones, as it were burning. And you'll begin to have faith. And we're not talking about some wild eyed kind of thing. We're talking about faith, a confidence that God is in this, a confidence that God is leading you to do this. And it's going to be based upon his word. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. And the third thing is faith is the only way you're ever going to please God. We know that out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. It must be by faith. That job you're working at. Is it by faith? You say, "Well, how would I know that? Well, you better go and talk to God about it. God, am I working at the job you want me to work at? I need to know. Are you working by faith? Are you living by faith? You say, pastor, how far do we take this? You take it as far as you want with God, but I'll tell you something. The Bible tells us nothing is too small with God. God is a God of details. Three things the Bible teaches about faith. Number one, it's a gift from God. Number two, it comes by reading the scriptures. You have to have Bible and lots of it in your life. Number three, it's the only way we can please God. There's no other way we can please God, but by faith. And so it's real Bible, heavenly faith. It's when God gives us the ability to trust what he says is true. Jesus walking on the water toward the boat with the disciples in it. Peter in the boat with the other disciples. They see Jesus first thought it was a ghost. He says, it is me. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, and do you remember what Peter said? What, what did he say? Let me come to you. Let me get out and walk on the water. Just like you're walking on the water. And Peter waited and Jesus answered him. And said, okay, come. As soon as Peter heard those words, he did the right thing, didn't he? Everything so far was working according to plan. And he steps out of the boat. And I don't know what the water would have felt like under his feet. Be it hard ground or jello or something. I don't know. But he was able to walk on the water. Hey, look at me, guys. I'm walking on the water. Ho! And then something happened. Peter stopped looking at Jesus. And he started looking what? Angry waves and the storm. Then what happened to Peter? Blub, blub, blub. And if he hadn't prayed, Lord help! He might have perished. By the way, when you're in trouble, Don't go for these long prayers. Okay. You know, help, Lord, that's a good prayer. I've made prayers like that. We call them flare prayers. hmm? You shoot them up like a flare. Faith. Faith is real Bible based heavenly faith. It comes from God and it gives us the ability to believe that what God says is true and act upon it. And that's what Peter did. He believed that what Jesus said was true. And he acted upon it. Jesus said, Okay, come. Peter said, That's all I need to hear. Out he went walking. That is a good illustration of faith for us. Believing that what God says is true and then acting upon it. Now, I want to put a caution here. Just in case someone has the idea, Oh boy, after church I'm going to go and buy lotto tickets. Don't you dare don't no oh oh oh, don't oh pastor it's too late i already bought one i have the solution for you you go home and you burn it but what if it's the winning ticket no that's why you want to burn it you don't want to get saddled with a big truckload of money you don't want that it is going to hurt you hurt you hurt you no it won't it won't hurt me Oh, please, daddy, can I have a loaded gun? No, son, because you might accidentally shoot your brother or your father, for that matter. Oh, I won't, I won't, I promise I won't. Uh, Sorry, the answer is no. Don't throw the precious resources that God has entrusted you with. Don't throw that into the world's lap. Don't fall for that stuff. Well, I'm not here to preach about that. You've heard me before on that. Someone said, well, what about my feelings? If we're talking about faith, you said that feelings uh, might be even 1%. Yeah, I'll grant that. There might be 1% feelings because you can't help it. We are emotional people. Feelings seem to be there no matter what we do. Maybe some of you came to church today and didn't feel like coming. Now, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand because that'll embarrass you and me. But maybe you're here today and you really didn't feel like coming to church today but you came anyhow. You, my friend are to be applauded because you came by faith. Unless dad put the gun to your head, you're going or you're going someplace else in a hurry. No, dad wouldn't do that. You're here. You came, not because you felt like it. You came by faith. I say, God bless you. You said, well, pastor, what about, what about the rest of us? Hey, I came and I felt like coming and I say, hallelujah. That's great. Praise God that pleases God too. Nothing wrong with that. The fact is you came. Everything we do needs to be by faith. And so folks, if it's raining out, should you come to church? Yes or no? Yeah, I think so because we don't come because it's not raining or we don't come because it is raining. We come because it's obedience to God and we do it by faith. This is what pleases God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Heavenly faith is a living organism. It's a living thing. It's not something dead and inanimate. The faith that God gives is living. When you got saved, how many remember when they got saved? Put your hand up. If you remember when you got saved, put your hand up. Okay. Great. You can put your hand down. How many don't remember when they got saved, but you know, for sure, you know, for sure you're saved. If you died, you'd go to heaven. You know it for sure. You just don't remember when. All right. There's a few of us. All right. Listen, those of you who, who know for sure, for sure you're saved. And when you got saved, remember back to that day and how you felt in your heart and how you just knew you just somehow, you just knew you needed Jesus you didn't have all the theology down, but you knew you were a lost sinner and you knew you had to run to Jesus. And that's all you needed to know something inside you. If we had stopped you, wait, wait, how do you know? You'd say, I, I'm not sure, but I just know I have to have Jesus. God gave you that. That's the faith. He gave you that day. You got saved. You understand what we're talking about now? Faith is more than trust. It's a gift of God. And you'll get it and more of it. Lord, increase our faith. You'll get it as you hunger and thirst after God's word to know what He wants done. This is heaven. Heaven sent faith is what it is. Now, listen, all of you that are here today, that are saved, you're born again and you know it for sure. You have faith. You say, but pastor, my faith is so small. That may be true. What should I do? Feed your faith. Feed it. Now we've got uh, some newborn babies around here somewhere, right? What would happen if we cared for those babies and fed them, changed their diapers and made sure that they were comfortable And we fed them every day and we cared for them. What would be the natural course? What would happen? They would what? They'd grow. If they didn't grow, it would make you wonder. Someone comes to church with a newborn baby. Hey, look at my baby. Look at my baby. And we look at your baby. Wow. Looks just like you. Look at that nice baby. Wonderful baby. Next week, you bring your baby in, in your arms. A month later, you're bringing your baby in your arms Six months later, you got that baby. One year later, you got that baby. Look at my baby. Yeah. Shouldn't your baby be a little older than this? I don't know. It's my baby. Two years go by. That baby hasn't grown. Are you feeding your baby? Uh, What's that feed? (laughs) What, What do you mean by that? Might know what your problem is. Now I'm just little tongue-in-cheek there, but you get the idea? If the baby doesn't grow, there's something not right. Babies are meant to grow. That's the rotten thing about kids is they have to grow up. Man, you're having such a great time with them. They look up at you and, you know, everything they say, uh, you say, they believe. They don't question you. Oh, yeah? Says who? You know, they don't got attitude. They're just wonderful little guys and girls. Why do they have to break our heart and grow up? Huh? And yet that's God's design. That's how he designs it. And he designed your faith to grow. If your faith is not growing. Then you're probably not feeding it. You need to feed your faith. Well, how do I know if I'm feeding my faith or not? Do you have baby faith? Are you able to trust God for great things more than before? That's how you'll know if you have baby faith or not. If you still can only see through fleshly eyes and say, well, we've got $4. That's all. I mean, if we give $1, we only got three left. And if that's all you can do, you have baby faith. You have enough to get saved, but not any more to grow. God wants us to grow. That's his will. In order to understand Bible faith, there are three important things I want to say about it. Number one, we're talking, I call it a heavenly trust. All right. We'll get that word trust in there. And we've already covered this in the first point, the definition of faith. But let me say it once more, that real, honest to goodness, true Bible faith is a wonderful sense of confidence that only God can give you. And you will get it when you feed on his word. I met my beautiful wife in 1977. I saw her for the first time in the spring of 1977. I said, Whoa, look at what we have here. Then she disappeared on me, but then I saw her again, come around uh, September of 1977. And I thought, all right, time to get into action here. I need to convince her that I am Mr. Wonderful. And so I tried my best. if any guy could try, I tried for four months, and um, she basically her response was, uh, well i I like you. I just want to be friends, and that is so hard for a guy to hear, you know when he's looking for mrs white he's that's pretty tough on a young buck, and so anyhow, by Christmas of nineteen seventy seven I gave up, and I said, "This obviously is not God 's choice for me. I have obviously made a mistake." And I went to her and I said, I'm so sorry. I've made a mistake. You're obviously not the girl for me. I've made a mistake. So when you see me, you don't have to turn and run anymore. And she said, oh, thank you. And I thought rats. And I had the worst. I had the worst Christmas. I had the worst New Year's of my life. Worst. I'm telling you, it's a good thing. We didn't have a gun in the house. I was so down. I was saved, but I was really down. And so come January, this is in the city of Ottawa where everything is, gets frozen and lots of snow and the Rideau canal turned, they turned it into a skating rink. And she came up to me and she said, "Um, do you know how to skate? And I said, "Uh, no. And she said, do you own skates? And I said, no. She said, well, if you buy some, I'll teach you how to skate. And I thought, right. Sure you will. Why in the world would she want any, anything to do with me? After she rejected four months of the most princely charm that I could possibly, <laughs> what's wrong with this picture? So I saw her again at church a week later and she said, did you buy your skates? All of a sudden, you know, it's like, come on, stupid. Listen to what she's saying this time. <clears throat> I said, well, um, uh, would, would you, uh, go with me to buy the skates? And she said, yes. And I said, oh, all is not lost. (laughs) And so anyhow, got to skate. She taught me to skate. We've been skating ever since. But my point is, I still didn't know in my heart if she was the one I was supposed to marry. I didn't want to make a mistake. I mean, I felt God called to the ministry. I didn't want to make a mistake in this area. I liked her. I thought, boy, she's a wonderful gal. But I didn't know for sure if she was the one to marry you say, well, what would you do? Did you just dump her and take off? No, I didn't dump her and take off. We kept seeing each other and we would do nice little things for each other. And then I took off to Bible college. And the long story short is this after a year and a half, one day, I just knew it. I just knew she was the one for me. I just knew it. And I could hardly wait to propose and put the ring on her finger. And you know, I'd carry her down the aisle if I had to. I had to wait another year and a half to, before I could, you know, finally marry or finish up my Bible college. Ooh, that was like, you know, a thousand years to wait. It was just terrible. But my point is this at some point at the right time, God gave me the faith that this is the right girl. That was heaven sent. That was a gift from God. But in the meantime, I've been talking to her on the phone, writing letters back in the days before we had this you know, right, we had this, is what we had, right? Mail it. Wait till you get something back. You know, that's what we had. That's what I used. What you want is for God to tell you, this is the way walk in it. What you want is God to give you the faith to say, this is the right job. This is the house to buy. This is the place to live. These are the ministries to get involved with. That is increasing your faith. When you know, you know, you know, you're doing God's will. How do we get it? How do we get it? I'm trying to tell you. First thing, it's a heaven-sent confidence. Second thing, faith needs a target. Without faith, I'm sorry, without a target, you're not going to get faith. You have to have a target. The faith must have a resting place. Eliza Edmonds Hewitt was born in 1851 and she suffered much physical pain all her life. She, she came to know the Lord and love the Lord. And when she was about 40 years old, she wrote a poem about her faith in God. And those words have been turned into a hymn. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever living one. His wounds for me shall plead. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Where'd she learn that from the word of God? Your faith needs a target. You go to the bank and you sit down with a loan manager and say, sir, I've come to make a, uh, a loan. You're the loan manager. I want a loan. He looks at you and mm-hmm. takes out a paper. Okay. Takes out his pen and your name, Joe Schmuck. There we go. And how much money would you like to borrow from our bank? $500,000. Wow, that's quite an amount of money. I'm sure you've got a good, a good purpose for it. Tell me, what are you going to use the money for? And you look at the loan manager and you say, I haven't a clue. And the loan manager would push back and say, wait a minute, Sorry, I got this right. You want $500,000 and you don't know what you're going to do with it? Did I get that right? Did I miss something here? No, you got that about right. Yeah. I haven't a clue what I'm going to do with it. Well, why do you want it? My friends all have money. I think I need it. It's my turn. Now you go to God and you say, I need faith. Give me faith. I want faith like George Mueller. I want faith like DL Moody. I want faith, faith, faith like the apostle Paul. What do you want the faith for? I don't know. I don't know. What do you do with faith? Well, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get it. You won't get any money from the bank and you won't get any faith from God because you don't know what to do with it. Well, I need a target. That's right. You need a place to place the faith. You need something to put your faith in. Of course, what you put your faith in, of course, is God's promises. His, his promises. Heavenly faith must have a target. They have, must have a place to rest. And the resting place is this book, the instructions and the promises of Almighty God. Did you get that? The instructions and the promises of God's book. That is where you place your faith. It wasn't Noah's brilliance that foresaw the coming flood. It was his heavenly faith placed in what God told him. That's what kept him going, day after week, after month, after year—some 100, 120 years of laboring and serving for God. And every day, the weather report came in: "Beautiful day today, folks. Not a cloud in the sky. Oh, it's a wonderful day to go to the beach or to go play golf." And then people would point at Noah, the crazy man building a boat in the middle of the desert, because he says the water's going to come from the sky. Have you ever heard such nonsense Yet God told Noah what would happen? And Noah just believed what God said. That's how it works, folks. A man who says he has faith, but doesn't know what he has faith in is actually a bit of a fool. And so was the man who's trying to put his, his faith into something other than the word of God. Now we must put our faith in what God has written. It fits hand in glove, key and lock. And you and I must search the Bible to find God's promises that he makes to us so that we can put our faith in them. And you don't need a huge amount of faith. Your Bible is open at Luke 17. Still look at verse six. If ye have faith as what a grain of mustard seed, the smallest of all the grains, you just need a little bit of faith. But when you put your faith in the right promise of God, boy, the door opens. If God tells you to command a sycamine tree to be uprooted and be planted in the sea, it will obey your voice. And you'll probably be the most shocked person on the planet. The amazing thing about putting your our heavenly faith in the heavenly target is that it produces more faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's a story of a father who wanted to teach his son faith, his little boy. So he picked his boy up and put his boy on the mantelpiece over top of the fireplace. And he said to his boy, jump, son, jump into my arms. And the little boy said, daddy, I am scared. I scared son. I'm your father. I'm big and strong. I, I'll catch you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Daddy, I, it's long way down. I'm scared. I scared daddy. Son, have I ever failed you? Have I ever let you down? Son, jump into my arms. Oh, catch me, daddy. And the boy jumped and dad caught him. The next thing, he puts the boy down. The boy starts climbing up the fireplace. The father turns around just as the boy is leaping and saying, Here I come, dad. How could the boy, what happened in the boy's head and heart? What made the difference between the first and the second? Trust in his father. You and I need to have trust in what our father says in the book. Now this brings us to the, the third point. And I want you to write something down, get ready to write something down. Heavenly faith needs a heavenly target in order to accomplish a heavenly task. There's jobs to be done. There are things God wants you to do. If you are not doing what God wants you to do, you are wasting the precious life. You may as well cut your arm and let the precious life blood flow out either by drips or by spurts. You are wasting the life that God has entrusted you with. If you are not doing what he wants you to do, you need a heavenly task. Heavenly faith must always result in works. In heavenly tasks, there are things God has for you and I to do. There are mountains to climb. There are lost souls to witness to. There are children to teach. There are missionaries to support. There are spiritual battles that will require a shield of faith. And on the list goes. When Joshua and the Israelites fought the battles of Jericho, it was their faith that brought the walls down. Nothing else. Their faith. Now, here's what I want you to write down. This is so important. We, I'll give you the words very slowly. You can write them down. We can buy, B-U-Y, we can buy things without money. We can buy things without money. Imagine being able to go into a store and say, I'll take this and I'll take two of those and I'm going to need one of these. Oh, and I'm going to take three of those and they're given to you and you walk out of the store. You'd say that's called stealing. Not in this illustration because there are things you can do without money. You do not need money for certain things. Now I'm going to show this to you. Turn back to the old Testament Book of Isaiah. I want you to write down Isaiah chapter 55 this morning at nine 9 35 in our prayer meeting. I shared this with the prayer warriors who came. They were the first ones to have a little insight into this. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, I want you to get this. This will change your life. If you are really wanting to make something of your life for the Lord Jesus. This will change your life. Now, Isaiah chapter 55, I'm going to get you to read verse 1 with me. All right? I want you to read out loud with me. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Everyone reading now. Here we go. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Does that tell you anything? There are some things that we can buy without money. Now, these things mentioned here, wine, milk, and so on, they normally cost money, don't they? But these are our needful things. We could say our daily bread, if you will. There are some things that God will allow us to buy without money. In fact, God purposely, purposely doesn't give us money in order so that we can buy these things by faith. Now, I want you to write down Proverbs chapter eight, and I want you to turn there. Proverbs chapter eight, back to Proverbs chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There we are. Proverbs chapter eight. What I'm about to share with you is so powerful. It ought to lift you out of your seat. Proverbs chapter eight. This whole chapter, it's like wisdom is being personified as a person. And usually we preach it along that line and we say, well, wisdom is sort of like a good woman and foolishness is like a bad woman or something like that. We have it again in chapter nine, you know, wisdom. And then we've got the strange woman, the, the bad, the bad girl, the foolish woman in chapter nine, verse 13. So here, chapter eight, we sort of personify it. It's given human um, personality, but I want to make a suggestion to you that chapter eight, dealing with wisdom is more dealing with God's promises, his instructions and his promises. I'm talking the Bible. And when you see wisdom, I want you in your head to write in Bible or Word of God or Scriptures or the instructions and the promises of Almighty God. Because you come down to verse 8. Now follow with me. I'm going to read verse 8, 9, and 10. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward, that means crooked, or perverse in them. Now I ask you, is there anything? Evil in the Bible. Is there anything perverse? Twisted. Has the truth been taken and twisted? Do we have twisted and perverse truth in the Bible? The answer is what? No. Because it's God's word. It's all true. Sometimes it rebukes us for our sin, but it's true. Everything in the Bible is true. Now that includes all the instructions. And listen to me. It includes all the promises of God. Now you've been very good and patient with me so far. And I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to fall asleep. I don't want anyone to miss this. Look at verse nine. They, the scriptures, the promises are all plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Folks, we've been taught to go for the money. That's what we've been taught. God is telling us there's something better than money, something that's more important than money. And that's his word, the instructions and the promises. And God makes amazing promises to us and wonderful instructions. He says, go for that. So what am I going to do with that? I'll show you what you can do with that. Look at verse 18 riches and honor Are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Verse 20 I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. Verse 21 That I may cause those that love me, that's the scriptures calling to you, to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. And what God is saying to us is this. There are some things that you can buy without human cash. There are some things that you can go to God and you can use the heavenly credit card in the Father's name and you can buy without having money. You say, well, what are some of those things? Well, I'll tell you one of them. I bought a wife without money. I bought the best girl in all the world without money. I used the promise of God that he would supply a wife for me. And I used that as like a heavenly credit card. And I bought to myself the most wonderful girl in the world. In Psalm chapter two, it says, ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. We can go to God, the bank of heaven with the heavenly credit card. And we can ask for lost souls to be saved. You couldn't go to a door, knock on a door and pay someone to be saved. It can't be done. Otherwise we'd be doing it. There are some things that can only be bought with the heavenly credit card. Isaiah 55:1 tells us come and buy certain things without money, without price. Proverbs chapter eight is literally the word of God personified Promising us that if we search for the promises, if we hunger and thirst for the word of God daily, he'll show us his promises and we can use those to make great and mighty purchases for God. Things that only can be explained by God. And I want to give you an example, a new building for the church. Do you know how much land costs today? Land around here will cost a minimum of two to four million dollars per acre. Do you know how much the cost of construction is? You'll spend millions putting up a building. So, what does the world say? The world tells us Grace Baptist Church, you can have it. Just get all of your people to sign over their houses. Sign over all of their wealth. Sign it all over. And the banks will loan you millions of dollars. Of course, you're still under extreme debt. And you'll still be the rest of your lives paying it off. But you can have that building. I'll tell you, Jesus for 40 days hungered. And afterward, the devil came to him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said these are mine and I will give them all to you all you have to do is bow and worship me do you remember this and what did Jesus say did he say well that's a good deal wow that's a real hot deal I need to get that hot deal no no Jesus said get thee behind me Satan Hmm? Folks, we don't need the world's money. We can buy things without money. That building up there is still up for grabs. I do not know of another building that will do more for God's cause than that building. You say, but it's so big. So was the promised land. But it costs so much money. Not to us. We're going to buy it without money. We're going to take the promises of God and we're going to pray them back to God. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Folks, in order for us to grow, we need a bigger fishbowl. If you'd been with us 20 years ago in the living room of our home, well, this is plenty big, you know, for six people. Yeah, but we couldn't stay there. We went to the Bear Creek Park. And we grew to about 40 people and we needed a bigger fishbowl. And then we moved to 9061, which is no longer there. And we grew again to about 80 people. And then we needed a bigger fishbowl because God is growing us for a purpose. This is not some social club. We don't belong to this church just for the fellowship and the donuts we can get No. We're here to do a job for God. He moved us to this unit over here and we grew again to about 140 or something. He moved us to this one here. Now we've burst over 200. Often we've got 220, 225 on a Sunday morning. We need a bigger fishbowl. We need bigger digs. God knows. And if we would go to God and hunger and thirst for the promises of God. And cry out to him. God is going to answer that prayer. I need help in prayer. I can't do it all myself. God gives us a great big beautiful building. Debt free. I need help. I'm only one man praying. And I need you. Join hearts and hands with me. And pray and ask God. God. To do a miracle of miracles. To set this city back on its heels. So that they can see. That there is a God in heaven. Who is alive and well. In this church. They will listen. To what we have to say. When God does a miracle like that. For over 20 years. God has not allowed anyone. To bring that building to fruition. Just about every day. I'm driving around the building. Asking God whether you drive around it or not, I do believe this. You need to pray. We need faith to make a difference. You know, Jesus went around doing miracles. Then he went to his hometown. You remember this? And he couldn't do any miracles there. Do you remember that? How many of you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that. There's not very many of us. Jesus went back to his hometown and he didn't do hardly anything. And the reason was What? No faith. No faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. And if you don't believe God could ever do a miracle, you are right. He won't. But if you believe the God of the Bible is still alive today and wants to show himself strong to the city, to our country, you have to believe in a God of miracles. He is a big God. And wants to do great and mighty things. And I just want to encourage you. What you need to do to increase your faith. You need to feed your faith. The word of God. You need to be looking through the Bible. Every day. For instructions and promises. With a pen and paper. And rewriting them down. It'll it'll amaze you. I was going to say scare you. But it'll amaze you. What God will show you. When you're alone with him. Lord increase our faith. And if you mean that then you need to get alone with God every day and start feeding on the word of God. Sundays is not enough folks. You need more than that. Feed on the word of God. Look for the instructions, look for the promises and keep looking them at them and keep praying them. And then one day God is just going to do it. He's going to bring it together. And you're going to say, of course, of course, this is it. I've been staring at it all the time. This is it. This is it. How do you know? I just know. You got that way because you fed your soul with the word of God. And at the right time, God gave you the faith and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let's keep crying out to God for faith. Some of you have unsaved family members. You need to get in the word of God and fill yourself, gorge yourself, and God will give you the assurance. They'll be saved. You've got a life that you can live for God. What are you doing with your life? why stand ye idle get involved think about the uh, sacrifice Sunday at the end of the month maybe you're here and you've never done anything like that before wouldn't it be exciting to be able to get involved to be able to to do that and live to tell about it not only would would you not fall financially but you'll be stronger financially because God is no man's debtor Listen, I apologize. I've gone way over time, and you know it. But I've got a big message on my heart for you today. Lord, increase our faith. Would you stand to your feet, please?